today. Again, uh, I'm James Peoples, as Ethan uh, uh, said. Uh, some of the connection from, from last time when uh, he introduced me. Um, uh, for 23 and a half years, I pastored uh, Trinity Baptist Church in Keystone Heights, uh, Florida, just up above Gainesville. And uh, I was Ethan and Anna's pastor for most all of their life uh, growing up. For the last four years, I've served as your missionary with the North American Mission Board. And uh, that video was from the uh, North American Mission Board. Sin Network is the church planting arm of the North American Mission Board, and that's um, my role. I serve as director of Sin Network Florida, so church planting all over uh, the state. Well, it's so good to uh, be here uh, with you uh, today and, and encourage you. What I want to talk about today is... It's really our identity in Christ. I mean, why do we plant churches? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the only one. I mean, Jesus makes incredible difference in people's lives. And we could go around the room, we could share testimonies today how the Lord is making a difference. But here's what I know. We can say that, we can verbalize it. But then sometimes we, we sort of forget all of what Jesus does and who He has made us in Him, our identity in Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Watch this brief little video to get us going as we think about our identity in Christ. Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist? An accountant? A teacher? A mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student? An MVP? A winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me his masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? Amen. Who we are in Christ. But the problem is, many Christians don't know who they are. They don't really understand their identity uh, as believers in Jesus. The moment, the moment, friend, you trust Christ as your Savior, you ask Him to forgive you and, and save you, in that moment, a huge transformation takes place. You go from darkness to light. You go from death to, to life, from being lost to being saved. And what happens is you get a new identity. Amen. But many don't, 
they don't comprehend that. They don't understand it and they forget it. And what happens is the devil tries to steal away your identity, the knowledge of, of who you are. So specifically in the lane of talking about our identity in Christ, I want to talk about identity theft. Identity theft's a big issue uh, today. Uh, spiritual identity theft is an even bigger problem. And every one of us, myself included, struggle with identity theft. The devil trying to, to, to steal away from us uh, our, our true identity in Christ. Jesus said of the devil, remember what he said of him? That, he, that, the, the, that, that he's a thief. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the devil wants to, to steal away your identity. The Jesus also said about the devil that he's a liar and the father of lies. And so what the devil wants to do, he wants to steal away the knowledge of your identity in Christ, but he wants to replace it with a lie. So that we end up believing the lies of who He says we are rather than the truth of God's Word about who the Bible says we are in Christ today. So that's where we're going today. A couple of years ago at a Christian conference, the speaker asked those attending uh, this conference, he asked them this question, "How, how do you think God sees you? As He looks down from heaven right now and sees you in this conference, how do you think God feels about you? And He had them write their answers down on a little card. If I said, hey, there's a little card in a pew rack in front of you, take it out and write what you think God feels about you today, what would you say? The people who answered that question at this Christian conference The responses he got were heartbreaking. One person wrote, when God sees me, when He thinks about me, He thinks, what a hypocrite. Another person said, God sees a troubled, misinformed baby. Another said, God sees and feels about me a sinner. God's disgusted. Another, God's disappointed in me. Another, when God thinks of me, He's sickened at me. And listen, these were Christians at this conference. That was the identity that they had. And you may be feeling, hey, I I can understand what they wrote down and feel. I I sort of feel like those people. When when God looks at me, He's so disappointed. I'm, I'm just the black sheep. I don't doubt that I'm a Christian. I just don't believe God thinks very highly of me. Friend, the Lord wants to change that impression today. The devil has stolen your identity. He's replaced it with a lie. And so often we believe the lies. And the Lord says, listen, the Lord wants to break those chains that have held you in that lie for so long. He wants to break that today so that you believe who He says you are and who you are in Christ. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning and uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, stand with me, if you would, as we read our passage today. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 4. 1 Peter 2, here's the Word of God. 
Peter said this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 1 Peter 2, 4, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, do you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were appointed. Now watch, here's our, here's our one key verse, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Lord, take Your Word. Minister in our heart. Let us hear from You and help us to believe the truth of who You say we are in You. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I read the bigger context. I said, hey, here's our key verse. But I read that bigger context because there's such a contrast here between those who had rejected the chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ, and those who had come to Him and received Him and had been set free by Him. Such a contrast. And then in verse 9, our key verse tells us who we are in Him. And there are four wonderful, key life-changing truths in, the, in this verse about who we are the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So here is transforming truth number one. You are not unwanted, you're chosen. You're not unwanted, friend. You are chosen. Now the devil will try to tell you all the time, you're not wanted. You're unloved. You're unaccepted and unacceptable. But that's not true. The Lord clearly says as Christians... We are chosen by God. Now think of a chosen generation, a chosen people. When I, when I think of that, my, my mind tends to go back to the Old Testament. We think of the Jews, God's chosen people. But we're reading a New Testament passage. Peter, he's writing to Jews and to Gentiles. So he's not only just talking about Hebrews, he's talking about Christians. We have been chosen as Christians. We're a chosen generation, not unwanted, but chosen. Friend, you need to understand that God wanted you in his family. God wants you to be in His family. He chose you to be in His family. That word chose literally means select. You were selected. If you were in Christ today, you and you know Jesus as your Savior, you can stand on the certainty of this truth, God chose me. Jesus said in John 15, 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you. I chose you. 
You're chosen. You're not unwanted. You're chosen. Guy Dowd was a former National Teacher of the Year, and he speaks all over the country about his experiences growing up and how the Lord has done such a work in his heart. And he, here's how he tells the story. He said, I was the fat kid growing up. And he tells the story about being made fun of and not really being good at athletics, being the butt of everybody's jokes. He tells about the time that he was in the sixth grade. And, and you'll remember back in those days when you'd go out to recess and the kids would have captains and this one would choose and this one would choose and this one would choose. Guy said, I was always the last person chosen. He said, I, I, no, I, nobody wanted me to be on their team. And then he said, you know, we'd be out playing football and we'd go into the huddle and we'd call the plays and one would say, okay, you go long, you go mid-range, you go short, and guy, you, you just stay in and block. He said, I was the guy nobody wanted. He said, but one day, Mr. Card, Mr. Card was a sixth grade teacher. And he said, one day, Mr. Card played ball with the kids. And he was one of the captains. And the very first pick out of the gate, Mr. Card chose Guy. He said, nobody ever chose me. But Mr. Card did. Mr. Card wanted him. Mr. Card loved him. And he wanted him on his team. Friend, listen, God chose you. God selected you. God said, I want you on my team. I want you in my family. Grasp the truth today. You are not unwanted. Anytime you feel unwanted, that is a lie from the enemy because God chose you. I heard the story of, of Dick Hill. Dick Hill for many years was the worship pastor at Champion Forest Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. And Dick tells his experience about growing up being adopted. And when he grew up, his parents, early on when he was able to understand somewhat the context, uh, the, the concept, uh, they told him about it. Now they said, now Dick, we want you to know that you were adopted. You, you aren't our naturally born son, uh, you're adopted. Now, some of you may have experienced adoption or uh, you've, you've been adopted yourself and and you know, sometimes it's easy for those to start thinking, well, I was unwanted. My parents didn't want me. They, they gave me up. These other people are just picking up somebody else's slack here. Well, Dick's parents were smart and they gave him a different perspective on things. They said, Dick, moms and dads, when they, you know, when they get pregnant, they don't really have a choice, Okay. They don't have a choice about what they're going to have. But we had a choice. And we chose you. We picked you. We selected you. And the truth of that got down into Dick's heart. It wasn't too much longer. Maybe a week or two later, he's out playing uh, with some of his buddies. And, uh, and he told them, you know what? Your parents had to have you, but mine chose me. And that's what God did. He chose us. He adopted us into His family. You know, it's one thing 
For God to say, okay, I want you into my family, but it's another thing to go through everything that you would have to to actually have you into the family, okay? Uh, I mean, think about in our process, uh, you know, today, all the legal things you have to go. What all did God have to do to bring us into His family? Jesus had to leave heaven. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross in our place. He rose again from the dead. Why? All so we could be a child of God. The Bible says in Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We have the spirit of adoption. God has adopted us into the family. He chose you because He wants us to be with Him. Now, here's what I want us to do. I want us to out loud... Lift our voices and declare the truth of God's Word. Why don't you repeat this after me? I am not unwanted. I am chosen by God. That's transforming truth number one. Here's transforming truth number two. You're not a piece of trash. You're a royal priest. You're not a piece of trash. You're a royal priest. Now, at that conference I, I told you about, when he asked them what they thought God you know, perceived when, when he, he looks at them, so many of them, they, they thought they were just a piece of trash. I'm just an old sinner. God's disappointed in me. When he looks at me, he's sick and I'm just an old piece of trash. Friend, the devil wants you to believe you're nothing more than a piece of trash. But friend, he's a liar and the father of lies. And the reason this is so important to grasp, to believe the truth and not believe the lie, is because what Proverbs says in 23 verse 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Listen, friend, you think you're a piece of trash, you'll just live a trashy life. Hey, that's who I am. But you're not a piece of trash. God says that you are a royal priest. As believers in Jesus Christ, you have royal blood flowing through your vein. Now, that's what God said. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Peter, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote that. And God said, Peter, write these words to my people to let them know they are a royal priest. They are of kingly descent. You and I, as children of God, are, are princes and princesses of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who we are, friend. So when are we going to start living that way? Because that's who we are. A king's kid. You see, I like the way the Lord puts it all together. A royal priest. Okay? Not just any old priest. A royal priest. Now think about the importance of, of being a priest. You know, in the Old Testament, if you were a priest, that was pretty special. You got to do some things that other people didn't get to do because you were a priest. Now... 
You had to be a descendant of Levi to be a priest. You couldn't say, you know what, that's a pretty cool gig. Sign me up for that. No, you had to be uh, a descendant of Levi and, and you were set apart for a special service. And even then, when we think about what priests got to do, only one of the priests could go into the Holy of Holies. The temple was separated from the outer area, the inner area, and then that innermost area, uh, the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies, it was set apart from the rest of it by a big, thick, heavy veil. And only the high priest could go in there once a year, and he could go only go in there for a short period of time, and he had to go in with, with bloodshed. The Bible says that when Jesus died on that cross, that, that big veil that separated the Holy of Holies from everything else, that it was torn in two from the top uh, to the bottom. And what that means is we now have direct access to God. Amen. Not just one person, not just the high priest can have direct access to God and everybody else has to stay out here. No, we all have direct access to God as His children, direct access to the very throne of God. We are royal priests. And we can go right in to His very presence. The Bible says this in Hebrews 4.16, Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can come with confidence. Friend, you can come boldly to the throne of the Lord. You, you've got such a high position as a priest. Uh, you've got a wonderful staff here and they're here to serve you and pray with you and help you. But you don't have to go through a pastor to be able to go to the Lord and pray. You can go any time right to the Lord. 24-7 access to God. Now when are you going to begin to understand? Hey, I've got royal blood flowing through my veins because the Lord lives inside of me. And not only that, He's given me a position as a priest and I can pray and intercede on behalf of others. I have access to God. Friend, it is amazing when we start to realize who we are in Christ and what our identity is in Him. Number one, you're not unwanted. You're chosen. Number two, you're not a piece of trash. You're a royal priest. Are you ready to say that? Repeat after me. I am not a piece of trash. I'm a royal priest. Here's transforming truth number three. You are not a dirty sinner. You're a holy saint. Verse 9 again. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now that word translated holy here is an interesting word. It's a specific Greek word. And that word is used a lot of times throughout the Bible. In the New Testament, 92 times that word is translated as holy. 61 times that same word is translated as saint. The devil will try to tell you all the time, you're nothing more than a dirty sinner. God says that's not true. You are a holy saint. Now, we don't typically think of ourselves as holy saints. Uh, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say things like that. Well, you know, I'm no saint. Well, what are you then? 
Okay? Because when you get right down to it, there are really only two kinds of people in this world. The saints and the ain'ts, I guess. Okay? <laughs> I mean, if you're not a saint, then you aren't a Christian. You see, in that moment that you receive Christ, God calls you a saint. He calls you a saint. Okay? When you, when you read in the Bible the, the letters that those um, authors wrote, you look at what Paul wrote and Peter wrote and he, he wrote to uh, the, the church out there. They talk about, the, for instance, the, the saints at Ephesus or the, the saints here or there. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 7, To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. That's what God calls His children. That's what God calls us. Saints. He doesn't call us sinners. You may say, but Pastor James, we still sin. Yes, we do, and that's true. Okay? But listen, this is very important. Get this. A sinner is not who you are anymore. You're a saint who still struggles with sin. Okay? A sinner is not who you are anymore. You're a saint... But you're a saint and we, yes, we still deal with sin, but you're a saint. There's a huge difference. God doesn't look at you as a sinner. He sees you as a saint, a holy one, a called out one, and it makes all the difference. Why? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We need to start thinking of ourselves as saints. Now, I'm sure none of you thought when Pastor Ethan was here a few minutes ago and introduced me, I'm sure none of you thought, I wonder what St. James is going to say to us today. <laughs> you know, we don't think, but, but you know what? Really, we should. We really should start thinking that way. You need to start thinking of yourself as a saint. Why? Because that's how God sees you. That's what God says about you. You are a holy nation. When you receive Christ, His forgiveness, He washes away your sin. God calls you a saint. God sees you as holy. And that word translated holy or saint, it literally means sacred, set apart, consecrated. God says, I have saved you and set you apart. You're you're different than everyone else now. You're my saint. You're my holy one. And God doesn't see you as a dirty sinner. He sees you as a holy saint. Now even as I say all of that, the devil will try to tell you, who do you think you're kidding? You're not holy. Look at all this sin in your life. I know those thoughts you've you've had. I remember what you did last year. I remember what you did last week. I remember back when you did this or you did that and you had the audacity to call yourself a saint. You're no holy saint. If those people there knew what I knew about you, they'd run you out of here. You just need to shut your mouth with the saint business. And that's the way the devil talks to us. And we believe it. Listen, that's identity theft. That's identity theft. And we believe it. Friend, God does not define you by your failures. Okay? 
God defines you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? So you need to get a hold of that today. God doesn't define you by your failures. He defines you through the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, you're my holy saint. Yes, you've stumbled and fallen in these areas. You're my holy saint. I love how the old song says it. He's able to forgive even the vilest offender who truly believes. Friend, it doesn't matter. You come to Jesus Christ and He'll save you and be that holy saint. A few years ago at a Johnny Hunt uh, men's conference, he um, actually it was a Timothy Barnabas conference, but Johnny Hunt was leading it and he had a, a guest there with him. Her name was Iris Blue. And Iris gave her testimony about how God had radically changed her life. She... Um, Many years lived out on the streets, a life of prostitution. And uh, here's how she said it. She said, um, she just given her all of her testimony, she said, uh, she said, I knelt down a tramp and I stood up a lady. Okay? I knelt down as a sinner and I stood up as a holy saint of God. When God came into her life. He forgave her. He cleansed her. He completely washed out her sin. The Bible says He removes it as far as the east is from the west. Friend, if you need that today, you can get that today. And if you've experienced it, rejoice in it today and be reminded of who God says you are. You are holy saint. Are you ready to declare it? Repeat after me. I'm not a dirty sinner. I'm a holy saint of God. Here's transforming truth number four. You are not a worthless person. You're God's own possession. Pick it up verse 9 again. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. A people for God's own possession. Friend, you're not worthless. You're special. Now the devil try to tell you all the time, you're worthless. You're worthless. We all fight those feelings of worthlessness because we have an adversary out there telling us lies all the time about who we are. And we end up shriveling and shrinking, starting to believe that. Friend, you are not worthless. You were God's own possession. You were His special treasure. You were His own special people. Uh, Deuteronomy 26, 18. And today the Lord has proclaimed you to be His special people just as He promised you. Doesn't it feel God feel good when God tells you you are His special treasure? You are His special treasure. Friend, you are the apple of God's eye. Listen, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he carried a wallet, your photo would be in it, friend. You are special to God. We need to start believing it. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. My wife Jeannie and I, we've just been super blessed. Um, he's blessed us with stuff, okay? We've got a home, we've got some cars, we've got some Food in the refrigerator. 
got some money in the bank. We've got stuff. But of all the things that we've been blessed with, nothing compares with the special treasures that we have in our two daughters, Emily and Dana. Our girls are our special treasure. Now, God forbid this would ever, 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 ever happen. But if somebody kidnapped our girls and said, Hey, you've got to give me $100,000. $200,000. I don't know how I'd get it, but I'd get it. I'd do whatever it took to get them back because they're that special. They mean that much to me. They're that valuable. What did God give to purchase you? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God's greatest treasure is His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And yet He gave Him willingly so that you could enter into that personal relationship. You could be adopted in His family. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.18 knowing that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Acts 20.28 uh, tells us to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. Friend, that's how valuable you are. You are God's own possession. You were bought with the blood of God. You are His special treasure. So say it with me. I am not a worthless person. I am God's own possession. And really, it would be helpful if we just went over these truths every day to remind ourselves of who we are in Him. Because it's so easy to get blown off course. It's so easy for this to happen or that to happen. And, and we, you know, get blown into the lies because, you know, we have these feelings. But friend, that's not our identity. This is our identity, who the Bible says that we are. The devil's a thief, a liar. And we need to trust God and don't believe the devil's lies. Okay? Walk away with that today. Trust God and don't believe the devil's lies. We need to stand firm in, our, in Jesus Christ and our identity in Him. Now, why is all of this important? Those four things that are laid out in verse 9, and then the rest of the verse tells us why it's so important to locked in on all of those. Let's look, look verse 9 again. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. God has told us all of these things so that we can proclaim the praises of Him who took us as a sinner and brought us into the light, who made us holy saints, so that we can shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to lock into all of this so that we can be the witness that God has called us to be. I mean, friend, if you're not locked in on these four things right here, you're probably not going to be a very effective witness for Jesus Christ. Unless you've got a handle on that, you're probably not going to be a very effective uh, witness. 
God wants to do such great and mighty things in each of your lives. I'm excited about Central and what God is doing. I really am. I'm so excited about the future. But how is all of that going to happen as we really lock into who He says we are in Him? And He wants to break those chains that have been on some of you for a very long time. He wants to destroy some of those strongholds that have been in your minds for years and years and years and you've been buying into the devil's lies. God wants to break those chains today so that you believe what He says about you. Now, this message by and large has been for those who have already believed and you've been saved and yet the devil tries to tell you, don't trust God, believe his lies. You know what? That's his same goal for those of you here today who've yet to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil wants you to believe his lies. He wants you to believe God doesn't want you. God will never save you. He may save some of those other people. That may be true for some of those other people here. But what Pastor James has said, that's not true about you. Not after all that you've done. Folks, He will. None of that matters. Trust God. Don't believe the devil's lies. Here's what the Bible says again. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. The next verse goes on to say, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Okay? Give life through Him. Listen, you don't believe the devil's lies. Trust God today. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how you can take your next step, visit us online at gocentralchurch.org.